everybody, welcome to the football fill-in. Ben Foster's away, so Goldbridge can play and so can Aston Villa. They're dominant at the moment. Can they get top four? We've also got controversy in the Merseyside derby and Chelsea bottle a 2-0 lead against Arsenal in the game of the weekend. It's the football fill-in. Let's get to it. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello, welcome to the football fill-in there. No Ben Foster this week, so you're stuck with me, Watto and Will. How are you doing? Good, Will? mate, you? Good, yeah, yeah. Very, very good. Watto? Yeah, all good, mate. Looking forward to it. Yeah, lots to get into. But of course, we're going to start off uh, with the sad passing of Sir Bobby Charlton. This happened on Saturday. Um, just uh, really sad, devastating news for Manchester United, but also for football. Um, the reason I got into football was because of my granddad and the Busby Babes. And I just think that Sir Bobby Charlton uh, transcends Manchester United and English football, but also world football. There's a, I don't think there's many people of a certain age who wouldn't know who Sir Bobby Charlton were if you're in Brazil, America, India, wherever. A fantastic um, legacy in the game and never be forgotten. And, and just what a story. But uh, Watto, um, your thoughts as a, an ex-player yourself? Any 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 contact with Sir Bobby? Or um, never, as in met him for a conversation. Um, obviously, uh, as a player, I saw him in and around the dressing room area, and certainly in my time as a member of staff at various Premier League teams, uh, when he were obviously fit and well, and a real um, in the ambassadorial role and working closely with Sir Alex at Man United, he were always in the dressing room area. Uh, post the game so I never spoke to him personally but he were always there uh, and speaking to a few lads who I know at Man United and that I think he were a real uh, influence on the younger players that had come through the ranks there and certainly post game it's always easy to talk to players when you've won and things are going well but I think for such a club like Man United for our, to have him as that ambassador and when things weren't going particularly well at certain points he was somebody the younger players would always be able to talk to in the dressing room post uh, games and in defeats and I uh, agree 100% look what he did for Man United is obviously phenomenal, but I think the legacy he leaves for football, yeah. English football, is something that we all need to hang on to because I think we've all got stories of why we watch football and how we got into football, and it's through parents, grandparents, and on obviously he's part of that legacy. And everybody, even younger people, knew who and what he was because of how he conducted himself. And it's a big loss for Man United, but I think it's a big loss for English football. But you know, it's now's the time to be grateful for who and what he was yeah. and uh, let, let's really mourn the, the the guy who brought football home to us. Yeah, uh, rest in peace to Bobby Charlton. You'll be missed, but you'll never be forgotten. Let's move back to the football at the weekend then. And uh, look, Will, I'm purposely going to go to you first on this one. Right. Unai Emery dominance. I don't know whether you watched the game yesterday. Me and right. Watto did. Yeah. Um, second time, 10 goals in two home games for Aston Villa. Yeah. The question I'm going to pose to you is, you know, how brilliant are Aston Villa? But also, top four. I think I got a message from a Villa fan yesterday that they've lost, they've won like nine in a row at home or something. Amazing season, Will, yeah. for Aston Villa, your Blues fan. Yeah, always good to talk after a Blues loss and a Villa win. Something's funny going on here because it says 0.5 on the running order. We get a little sheet here, but for some reason it's been bumped up the order. I don't know why that has been. Uh, I don't know if there's some tomfoolery going on by you two. But yeah, I think the real sad thing for me is they look totally dominant. I think Ollie Watkins in a rich vein of form, he just looks like he can score everything. Douglas Louise turning into that sort of, I mean, we always knew about his defensive work, but the goal scoring and yeah, they've got a top class manager. They've got a top class team. And it doesn't look like it's going to get any worse. Uh, well, it's going to get worse for me. But yeah, I, I really think they could push top four, and that I feel a little bit sick saying it. It's amazing, really. What I mean, I was looking at their next few games. I think they've got Forest and 
maybe Luton to come as well. And they've got three very winnable games at a time where I think Arsenal have got Newcastle in a couple of weeks. City have got a tough run of games. It, it looks really good for them. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching them play yesterday. I thought it would have been... You're ex-Blues, though, You can't say that too much. Yeah, that's true, but you've just got to enjoy good football, mate. That's why we're here. They're all um, I enjoyed watching the game. I've always said that I believe that Villa unearthed a gem in getting him in as manager. I think um, the club are obviously backing him, and he's a fantastic coach. Obviously, it didn't work out at Arsenal, um, but he's doing things there in the year he's had. The stats are incredible. I think there's only Man City have got more points in in the year seventy four to uh, Villa sixty two, which is the same as Arsenal. Yeah. It is incredible, and under normal circumstances, you know you you're definitely going to be in the top four. They they were a, a real team yesterday, and as I said, I thought West Ham would have given them a mm. tougher game, but the, the the home record is phenomenal under him, and post-game, it were interesting when he did his interview, and he spoke about what he w- wants to achieve in his career, and it's actually not just top four, he wants to win a Champions League as a manager, and I actually think that Villa is a huge football club, and if they keep doing the recruiting, and trusting in him to run the club, which it seems that he's all-powerful there, you know, if they keep doing what they're doing and can attract bigger and better players and they do the investment and the structuring properly, Villa could uh, certainly be a top four team for years to come. October the 30th was when Stephen Gerrard got the sack. What a day um, that was. We don't, we, don't, we don't talk about this because he's, he's a media darling, obviously. But, I mean, what a mess the club are in. They're in the relegation zone. What he's done in just under a year or just about to be a year is incredible. Another interesting stat as well, Douglas Luiz has got six uh, goals at Villa Park in a row. He's broken Dwight York's record of five consecutive. Mm-hmm. Sit down, Gabby of Gong Lahore. And um, also, <laughs> but, but I suppose the question is, Will, are we going to give him top four? Because I was talking about this yesterday. They, it, It's a bit like Spurs, isn't it? It's about we don't know how much fuel they've got in the tank. Yeah. That's going to be the thing with Villa. At the moment, they justifiably are, you know, a real top four contender. But would you put them in top four at the end of the season? They've still got European football, which Emery will take. Yeah, I think the European football is going to be the big one. And they're obviously, like you said, Emery's controlling everything. I think January is going to be so interesting to see. Yeah. Their, but even when he was there last January, I think they only brought in Moreno and he, he sort of transformed that back four as well. So that's going to be really interesting for them. Uh, top four, no. I mean, if that happens, yeah, I'll just throw my phone out the window and do a, do a Gary Neville and move move far away so never can hear about anything Villa again, I think. I, be, I don't think they'll get top four. I think, he, he, I think he'll go and try and win uh, the European competition. That's the only uh, thing they've sort of faulted with, isn't it? But, yeah, uh, but I think he, he wants to win something. Obviously, look, if they get in the top four, that's like winning the Premier League for Villa. Let's, let's make no bones about that. But I think... He's a winner as a manager, and I think he'll go heavy to to win the European trophy. I think the recruitment's key, and obviously injuries is going to be key for him. Obviously, the lost Mings, and it looks like he's not been missed too much. But I think if you lose, like Louise, if you lose a Watkins for sure, they're even, really, a, even a Matty Cash or something yeah, like that. They're, they're going to struggle yeah. because of the squad depth. So it's all about building and building for them. But I think they've got a real chance at the level that they're playing at to win the European competition for sure. Do you yeah. think they'll get top four? I was just going to answer that question. Um, no, I don't. Not in a disrespectful way. I just think that... And, and I don't think Villa fans would expect top four. You know, I think it's a bit like Spurs. I think if they can win the Conference League and finish in the top six, that's a great season for them. If and you it can win a trophy, isn't yeah. it? I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, they've got to look at trophies. Um, let's move on then. Uh, we're going to move on to uh, uh, my club, uh, Manchester United. <laughs> I mean, this, this will be a short section, actually. Um, did you watch the game, Watto? No, I didn't, actually. Well no, done. I watched yeah. the rugby. I had the rugby on. Yeah, rug- yeah. rugby took over on Saturday rugby. evening. Um, hey, look, I think for Man United to go away, they're, they're expected to win at Sheffield United, aren't you? You're expected to win that game. I've obviously seen the highlights and the clips. Um, Sheffield United probably did a little bit better than we would all uh, would have thought before the game. Look, we've just spoke. The emotion for Man United and Bobby Charlton before the game, mm-hmm. it, it would have had a big effect on everything around it. Um, in the end, I, I thought they deserved to win the game on the moments for sure. 
I think um, McTominay uh, su- su- suddenly becoming a goal-scoring machine okay. is uh, is, is something that we didn't expect. It's yeah. probably the slowest I'll goal. I watched the game. It's the slowest goal I've ever seen going in the Premier League. I think it missed two defenders, bounced four times, but ended up in the net. And then, obviously, uh, Sheffield United get back in it with a penalty, but Man United had chance after chance, to be honest. And ultimately, for, for all that, you know, nobody had Dello coming in and, and getting the winner. But I have to say, like, if I were the Sheffield United manager, I know him quite well, Paul, I think he'll be a little bit disappointed with Fotheringham for the goal, I think, to get across and I'll get two hands on it and yeah. ultimately be, I, I think, a Premier League goal, I should save that. But in, in a strange way, it just seemed to fit the day that Man United won that game. And I, I just felt as though it were always going to be. I'm glad you mentioned the goalkeeping, actually, because um, when it first went in, obviously very happy, and I thought, will do. But then when you watch it back on the yeah. replay, he does get two hands on it. So that's just not not good goalkeeping, really. It's not good goalkeeping. You know, we we we, we spoke about the game Villa just pre pre this game, and Ariola made an unbelievable save at nil yeah. nil, which were in exactly the same position. One handed, one one handed, and he tipped it over. And that's what I expected for him to do. So for all United's dominance in that game. It's another error, really, that that puts Sheffield United, obviously, at the bottom of the table, you know, and you just can't concede goals like that. And that's the fine margins. You support Blues in the Championship. I think Sheffield United in the Championship would be a good side, but Man United have played badly most of this season. Wolves played us off the park on the opening game of the season. Burnley was a Saturday night game a few weeks ago. Beat them 1-0 with a worldie from Bruno. Beat Sheffield United 2-1 with a goal from Delo. This is the the thing. Like Watto says, a goalkeeping error but also the inability to put the ball in the back of the net. I think both Sheffield United and Burnley, from what I've seen, good teams, well-organised, but they get to the final third and they're just not a threat. And we're going to talk about Maguire in a minute, but, I mean, he had a bit of a cigar on, really. Him and Johnny Evans at centre-back for Man United. Johnny Evans played against Burnley as well. You know, they're just not, 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 not a cutting edge. Is that, a, is that the jump from the Championship to the Prem? Yeah, well, we always talk about it, isn't it? You come up from the Championship, if you've got that offensive style coming into the Premier League, you need to adjust it. But to be fair to Ma- to, Man- to Sheffield United, that, that I mean, apart from that Newcastle game, which was an absolute, absolute, mm. yeah, you know, we can all speak about that. They they have they've pushed Man City to the limit. They've 2-1 against Manchester United. So I don't think it's all done so far for Sheffield United. But I think with Manchester United, I think the main one we all want to hear about, Mark, is Scott McTominay, you know. He's turned it around three goals in two. Chest it down. <laughs> bit like Zidane S, wasn't it? Chest it down in the box, then a volley into the corner. You didn't watch the game, New Will. New contracts, do you, no. think, do you think? New no. four or five-year contract? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit lonely here, but I'm sure the listeners will back me up. I mean, the stats the after the game right? were like this. Passes from the United team. Harry Maguire had about 80. Delo had about 60. Bruno had about 60. Amrabat about 50. Scott McTominay, nine. Nice, yeah. Well, um, nine good ones. Nine passes. Yeah, he, 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 he had. He was actually dreadful, but he scored a goal. He's got three goals in two games. I think McTominay is not good enough to play for a top six Premier League club. But as a bench player, as we saw against Brentford, he's got an amazing knack of scuffing a goal in the box. He's, yeah. he's just got this ability in the box, and we saw it against Brentford. So I think McTominay's a bench player. The more interesting one is Harry Maguire. You know, there's an amazing stat going round that his win ratio with Manchester United is ninety four percent. Um, I can I can blow the doors off that straight away. Look at the games he played. You know, you're talking about cup games, relegation games. He really play what he's playing, though. You know? But the whole point is, let's play Harry Maguire in the derby next week and let's see what happens because win ratios for me. Um, but look, I, I mean, there's a more interesting stat, Watto. Uh, Johnny Evans' last 14 games for Manchester United won the last eight. Admittedly, some of them are in 2015, but he's won all, <laughs> he's won all three Premier League games this year. So... It's funny that Man United have got Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans playing at centre-back. I, I think you you can do everything you want with the stats for sure. And I think Maguire's played in games that, you know, the manager's thrown him in and think we, we're definitely going to win this game. There's been obviously cup games, league cup games and all that for sure to and to to make the stats what they need to be. I think if you talk about the game going next week, are the two centre-halves going to be the same next week. I really like Johnny Evans. I think he's a top, top performer for Mm. sure. And actually, Maguire played well for England in the week and he did what he had to do. Look, if you're playing two good centre-halves against McBurney, you're going to come out on top. Like, McBurney... You, you you love him as a guy. Sheffield United fans love him. He gives you everything. Not but, but he's got 
the level drops in terms of the quality. Yeah. So it's more of a physical game. Uh, I think next week, the derby for Man United, it, it'll be a different game for them to have to play centre-half for sure. And all of a sudden, stats and everything will change when we talk about that kind of game. And it'll be interesting to see whether Ten Hag actually really backs them in a game that will be obviously a different level and a cut above from Brentford and um, Burnley and Sheffield United. What about Wait. the redemption out there though next week? Manchester Derby could be a Maguire clean sheet and a McTominay winner that's the game he's got to do it in um, quick two questions um, uh, Man United in the top four no no chance absolutely not I, I worry for the top six especially with some of the teams that we've spoken about and going to speak about I worry for the top six for United well, top four is almost the top six isn't it uh, what I know. yeah no look I, I, I think they're going to struggle to get top four but the league at the t- well look the league's really competitive there might be a couple of teams at the bottom are going to get cut adrift but certainly if you talk about the top 10 or 12 I mean the, the, there's some really good teams in there and United always were a shoe in for sure but the, there's no shoe in this year for them I think anywhere from four to eight, that that's where they're looking. I, I think to break in that top four will be really tough for them. I think the problem with United at the moment is, and obviously I watch them every week, is that they just don't play as good as Villa, Brighton, New, Newcastle. You know, we're going to talk about them. They're just not playing good football, so you can't put them in there. I agree, lads. Um, let's go to the uh, let's go to Bournemouth. Wow, um, this was um, a game that gets forgotten a little bit. Uh, lots to get in through today. Um, Gary O'Neill returning to Bournemouth. Um, this sort of feeds in with first sacking. Surely the Bournemouth coach has got to be looking dangerous, Will, at the moment. Yeah, well, we spoke about it going into the weekend. It was really Gary O'Neill going back and after being sacked by Bournemouth. And we all said at the time it was a ludicrous decision because he came in after Scott Parker and turned that Bournemouth team around and they were playing really good stuff, some really big wins like away at Spurs at the end of last season. They were absolutely fantastic and could have really built under Gary O'Neill. He was a good English coach coming into the Premier League, doing really well. Sack him, goes to Wolves, that first game where he'd had minimal time in charge of Wolves against Manchester United and they blew Man United away and somehow that penalty wasn't given, but less on that. Um, and I think it was great for going here to go back. City. Yeah, get the three points. And I think we at the start of the season, I had Wolves in my bottom three. I thought they were going down just because of the all the money issues off the pitch. But he's come in, changed it around. He's got a really clear system. Uh, the players have bought in and they beat Bournemouth and yeah. Good on him, big to Bournemouth and well done Gary O'Neill. Unbeaten in the last four league games, beat Man City in that game, Neto with another assist. I think Wolves are playing their best football they've played in years actually under Gary O'Neill. It must be very embarrassing for a team like Bournemouth. I I think Bournemouth ultimately, not uh, the management now, but the hierarchy would have been petrified of this game this Mm. weekend, uh, knowing that really it's going to come back and bite him. Look, Gary O'Neill would have been setting his team and his staff up all week. Like It becomes bigger than a football match when you feel the pain that he lost his job for no reason. Produced miracles for Bournemouth. He's planning on the summer recruitment and starting pre-season at Bournemouth. All of a sudden, uh, legs whipped away from him and he would have wanted to win that game so bad. I've been in that position and gone back to clubs for various reasons, and there's a there's an inner drive and a fire burning inside you that you want it. I think for the ownership of Bournemouth, it made them really look really, really poor. I think Wolves have been a breath of fresh air. They're the team this year that's probably had the most points lost on VAR and poor yeah. decisions. I think they could have had another two or three for sure, but like they've got a big helping hand in this game with a red card. I mean, it's absolutely ludicrous. Um, you're not going to get away with a headbutt for sure Um, Lewis Cook is a fantastic footballer but he had a moment of madness you could see it when he's walking off but it was just written in the stars that Wolves were going to win that game and I really do fear for Bournemouth now that they're hoping that they can pass Burnley that's the only hope they've got because I think obviously Luton and Sheffield United might might be the ones that drop out anyway but Luton keep nicking results but I think Bournemouth looking at them they're in big trouble yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? I heard in the summer that it was right to get rid of Gary O'Neill because they've got this hipster manager that's coming in. Well, it's Gary O'Neill two, hipsters one, and Bournemouth are in trouble. Um, you mentioned Luton, Watto. Um, wow. I mean, uh, me and me and Will do this little competition on trying to pick clean sheets uh, at the weekend, and I, I was like, um, Turner, definitely going to get a clean sheet. Didn't keep an eye on that game, and it ended up 2-2. Um what what we thinking Luton here? Another comeback? They're still going down. Uh, look, I, I I do believe they're going down. But every time you you nick something, 
it just gives you some inner belief and some momentum somewhere. Look, the game's finished at 2-0. It's the worst goal you've ever seen. I know it goes to VAR and in the end it's given. But it's the worst free kick you've ever seen. But the guy at the front of the line for Forrest slips and there's a scramble and it's put in there and it just gave them some hope. And Forrest should have been so far away with it yeah. at 2-1. They know they've got everything to lose there. They just want the whistle to blow. We, we should have won the game 10 times over. Um, I will please for Chris Wood... I, I really like him. I had some time with him when we came to Birmingham, actually. And uh, he did really well for Birmingham in that season. And he's a really good guy. And he'd missed a couple of chances first half. And then all of a sudden, he obviously gets through and he, he a good finish with his left foot. And he's he's obviously got a great record with the headers. And he, he gets a good goal. And Forrest really think they've got the job done. Um, for Luton, it just gives them some men, momentum. I think Forrest will be fine. They're, they're a good team. And they'll be really disappointed not to have taken three points from the game, to be honest. I know you'll like this, Will. Forrest recorded their highest XG since being promoted back to the Premier League in 2022. As Watto said, it was a big loss. But interesting for Luton, Ross Barkley, Andros Townsend. On the podcast soon, Andros Townsend. Do you think these veteran players are going to keep Luton up? Well, I think the main one is, is, is Rob Edwards as well, because the work he's done to come in in the championship, turn that team around after losing his job at Watford. And then he spoke about it in uh, the, one of the post-match press conferences of the game recently, like their performances, the numbers are actually all all tracking upwards and they're, you know, coming into this Premier League, everyone ripped them off, we did. But I just think that they're slowly getting to the level and slowly getting better and to score two goals in the manner, get the points. And yeah, people like Townsend, Barkley, when you get to the rough end of the season, that they could prove the difference. They're definitely going down, but I did listen to an interview. <laughs> I did listen to an interview with their chairman a few weeks ago and, and it did make me think that like he was talking about where Luton have come from, like yeah. where they were. They weren't even in the league, were they, no, a few no. years ago? And he said, look, we know what we're doing. We're, we're way ahead of schedule and actually we're tracking the season, like you say, in relation to what we're doing, getting used to it. And we feel that in the second, I think he said, we feel that in the final third of the season, yeah. that's where we're going to get all our points. And I thought, you know what? Fair play to them. And nothing stupid as well, like Townsend signed to January, Barkley's on a one year, so if they do go down, it's not yeah. going to be like, Jesus Christ, we need a mass sale. So just smart, sensible football, which maybe is not the most attractive, but yeah. There we go. Well done to Luton for their point. Uh, right, let's get back to some big, bigger games, get our teeth into this. The Merseyside derby. Um, this was, um, well, there was controversy in this game, actually. I'm going to hit it straight away. The uh, second yellow card for Ashley Young, um, but then the non-second yellow card for Canate Watto. What was your thoughts on that? Well, two weeks ago, we, we spoke um, Arsenal Man City and we spoke that Kovacic should have had his two yellow cards. So I think the referees have had a conflab in the international break. Right, we're going to look at ourselves here, irrespective of trying to keep 11 men on the field in the big games. We've got to make the correct decisions. Yeah. I watched the game. So Ashley Young, definite yellow card, first foul. Yeah. He's attacked, the, the winger's at him, and he brings him down. It's a second yellow card. No complaints, really. Not even from Daishi. Happy. Correct. Kanate, first yellow card, yellow card. And then it's a foul, and it's a yellow card, and it's nil-nil. Yep. And I think Daishi, I don't like managers that always blame referees for this, that, and the other. But ultimately, he sent Ashley Young off. He has to send Kanate off. There's no question mark about it. It's a second yellow card and he should have been gone. I don't know what in the world he's thinking about that he can't give him a yellow card. And then you look at the Man City game, Akanji, his second yellow is exactly the same foul as Kanate. It's exactly the same. It don't matter what time the game is. Both teams there should have had a, a, a red card and it really will infuriate Sean Dyche, he can't complain about Young, it's the correct decision. Kanate, it's got to be a red card, there's no two ways about it. And actually, I thought when he sent Young off, I thought, finally, the referees have taken something on board from two weeks earlier, we're learning from it. And other referees in, in the league, like the game at uh, Man City, he made the right decision. But why did he not want to send two off? It, it, it would have been easy for him because... He levels the game up and there would have been four correct decisions. So he just put himself in a bad position. And ultimately, I thought Liverpool were the better team. But you have to say that Kanati not getting the second red card has a big bearing on it when especially, it's nil-nil. Especially nil-nil, like you say. And I think the thing is as well, watching the game, you also saw, Will, that Pawson, who was the referee, 
knows he's got to send him off. And in his mind sort of goes, I don't want to give the second yellow card, which is incredible when we're asking for consistency across games. That in the same game, the same referee who's followed his own rule in the second half goes, oh, I don't want to do it. But you've just done it in the same game. It was it was, it was was incredible, really. Well, it's not just the fact that it was a foul and a yellow card anyway, but the fact that they were on the counter-attack anyway. That, I mean, it was probably a double yellow card. So I thought that Sean Dyche actually spoke really well. He was obviously so annoyed. And he, well, he got a yellow card. He got a yellow card as well. He couldn't <laughs> believe it. And he was, uh, I think he was at pains to say that it cost him the match, but he said obviously it's had such a big bearing of it when you're in a, a derby match and you've not had a decision go your way. I think he was very well spoken, but... Uh, they maybe even maybe take a bit of solace from their performance because they shut up shop and yeah, it wasn't until late on with 10 men. They were so resilient at the back, a proper Sean Dyche performance. But ultimately, yeah, the class of Liverpool shone through and they're sort of, it feels a little bit like they're going under the radar, the, how tight the Premier League is as well. They just keep getting these three points and uh, Nunes and Salah linking up again. We'll talk about Liverpool in a moment, but just on that as well, just for any Liverpool fans uh, who were trying to say, you know, it wasn't. I mean, I think the biggest indicator that, oh, that it was a second yellow card was what Jurgen Klopp did. He but, took him straight off, didn't he? He got Kanai off straight when, away. When you're that member of staff or the manager in the opposition bench, you just feel as though Klopp's just taking the absolute yeah. piss out of you. He did it. Because the, he, he knows the ref's made an absolute blooper. Yeah. And rather get just, him off. Get don't, him off. Don't even leave him on three minutes to get your pain. Straight off, and he walks past you, and you're thinking, yeah, you should be walking past me, but <laughs> in two yellows, you know what I mean? Well, it's the equivalent in amateur football, isn't it? You know, where it happens quite a lot. Like my, my daughter plays and my son plays, and there'll be a player who's just doing a bit too many tackles, and yeah. the ref will come over to the manager and say, just take him off so I don't send him off. And it was a bit like that with Klopp. He was like, straight away, get Canate off. He shouldn't be on the, the pitch. The pain I've seen him walk past you, but he's actually not got that second yellow card for, for Daichi and his staff. Would have been painful. But look, Everton did okay. I think it it was harder for Liverpool when it, it went to 10 yeah. because Everton just went into that really low block. So there's no transition. There's no counter-attack then for Liverpool. So there's nowhere for him to run in behind, which is... In the while while it were eleven v eleven, yeah. I mean they could have scored three or four on the transition and the counter attack. That's where Liverpool are at the most dangerous. Yeah. When when a team sits in so deep against them, which obviously they had to do, Everton, it looked like until the penalty they were going to maybe grind it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, yeah, bad decision. But ultimately, you're right, Watto. There was a lot of breakaways for Liverpool, and I think you're right, Will. You look at the next three games; it's a bit like Villa. The next three games, I forget what they are for Liverpool, but they're very winnable games that. They're up there. Mm-hmm. You stay up there for three game weeks. You might start to extend it a little bit. The momentum grows. I've been really impressed. I've said it before on this show. I don't think it gets mentioned enough that he's rebuilt his midfield. I think that's really difficult to do that in one summer. But one player that's really impressed me is Alexi McAllister. I mean, I think the way he runs things, so physical, so tenacious. Um, I think he's a bit of an un- un- hero in that Liverpool side. Yeah, definitely. I think you've even Sabitzer as well. Um... So Bosley as well, they've done it as well. And uh, McAllister, and it's like such a transformative midfield that they can get to January like a lot of teams. It'll be very interesting to see if they add to it. And really, it's going to be really interesting, this Manchester City run, isn't it? When they get to the end of November, see where they are. And I think a lot of teams will then maybe have a look at their recruitment for January and think, right, we can go at them for this second part of the season. Yeah, definitely. And as quite rightly somebody said, or maybe I thought it, Nunez assist for Salah. That's six assists for Salah. Lovely. He likes providing for Salah. Yeah, you love your stats, don't you? I do. I read them. Um, Anyway, let's move on to another cracker. The game of the weekend, in fact. Oh, yes. I mean, look, to be honest with you, this was a difficult one to watch for me because I did watch it, but then... Obviously, we had the Sabobi news came in just before it. And straight after it, you've got the Man United-Sheffield United game. So I sort of watched this game and then sort of forgot about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to get my teeth into this because Chelsea, 78th minute, Watto, they're 2-0 up and it ends up 2-2. And I was watching that and I was going, that's one of those games where Arsenal will feel like they've got to win and Chelsea will feel like they've lost it. Yeah, he'll be devastated when he, um, Pochettino, it was the game that he wanted. The 2-0 up in the 78th minute, they've got to that point, right, come on, just see the next 10, 12, 15 minutes, whatever, and and, and win the game. Look, the goalkeeping situation in this game is really going to get highlighted. Look, Chelsea have signed Sanchez. He's a decent goalie. I'm not sure he's at the level to play for Chelsea mm. and the one of the weakest well, elements of his game. he cost him the game, really, didn't he? Yeah. 
it's an easy pass that he's trying to get into the midfield. Um, but just the weight of it and obviously the lack of accuracy and he just plays it in. And Rice, to be fair, it's a first-time finish and it's a goal. But it gives Arsenal a huge, huge lift from absolutely uh, nowhere. And ultimately, it's a goalkeeping mistake that then just gives the momentum to Arsenal. And in the end, obviously, they, they get an equaliser. But really, up to seven... Well, I first half, for sure, um, Chelsea were the better team. Um, it's a it's a fluky goal from Mudrick for sure, but I have to question Raya's positioning for for a cross ball like that. It's 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 really poor, but it's a fluke of a goal. But from two 0 up, Arsenal actually then took the game to Chelsea because they've got nothing to lose. The game's gone for them, and uh, equaliser was lovely from Arsenal as well. Yeah, it's good play, but it all comes from a Sanchez mistake from from nowhere, and I think. Chelsea will be looking at their goalkeeping department for sure now. They've got rid of Ari Bazagla. He's obviously gone and making his uh, making his way at Real Madrid. But I think they need a goalie that can do more in the Premier League now if they're going to get to where they'd hope to get to. And if you then go back to the Arsenal side with Raya, obviously um, Ramsdale, that, that situation, Arteta's really created a, a, a monstrous, horrible situation now because Raya looks like he's playing with a little bit of fear in his eyes. He's not doing as well with the ball for sure, but you know you, you can't be in that position to allow that ball in for the second goal if Arsenal are going to try and challenge and win the league this year against Man City. So I think that you know that situation is going to bubble along behind the scenes, and I think Ramsdale's a good guy and a good character in that dressing room, and I think their relationship's fine and all this, but there's something bubbling away there that's just not making it right for Arsenal. Chelsea have only won. One of their last 12 home Premier League games were. Bloody hell. Well, I think the thing with that as well, when it was 2-0, Nicholas Jackson had that chance where he was one-on-one with Raya and he looked yeah. about as comprehensive as me going through one goal. It just You knew he wasn't going to score. Raya had that up. Even the chance when Raya passed the ball out to Cole Palmer and he just about managed to retrieve it. So Chelsea had their chances. But yeah, the ball in from Saka for the for the goal from Trossard oh, was great. And then you even look, could, could Arsenal have had a penalty? I mean... Watto, you're in the keepers' union. They oh, get, that's, that's a great point. They get all the protection in the world, but as soon as the keeper's coming out, I mean, it's like a What's Roman Reigns super point. Yeah, and the exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, you're not helping your cause there, Man United, right. but. Uh, no, it's not a penalty. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, we talk about head injuries now. He absolutely cleaned Jesus out, and, it, and I don't, did they even look at it. I don't think they looked at it. Well, I'm pretty sure the Wolves one they um, had to apologise for, didn't they? Well, that went to VAR, but I don't even know if this one went to VAR. I just sort of checked on the player, and uh, yeah, I think Arsenal. Well, obviously, penalty. unless you knock four teeth out, you're not going to exactly. Get it, but, yeah, that's. The but thing, look, yeah. anywhere else on the field, if that's a, an outfield tackle or a challenge for a header or a high foot, or look, it's it's um, a free kick or a penalty, whatever. Yeah it is if you come for that ball as a goalie especially on the the free kicks they're trying to keep a decent line Chelsea to give him some room to work so he's always going to be on the front foot and coming but he's made a mistake and he didn't get to the ball so if you clatter anybody after that normally it's a penalty quick one then Raya or Ramsdale goalie I would have to go for Ramsdale because I think Ramsdale wouldn't wouldn't have got beat with that cross shot even though it's a fluke his positioning's poor for that. And I just think he's playing under too much pressure now, Raya. Mm. You know, a lot of teams are on the front foot. They're on on the way. They're knowing that he's going to play into areas where they've got a chance to nick it. And unless Arsenal start to change it up a little bit, I think the pressure's going to become relentless on him. But obviously, Arteta's made his, made his, made his bed like, and, and Raya's going to lay in it. But I think uh, there'll be some big calls for Ramsdale to come in because you can't concede goals like that if you're going to get anywhere near Man City this season. Well, yeah, I think Ramsdale, just because he had last season, I think he'd have learnt from it, and then this could have been his real sort of breakout season as number one, but not to be. I think Raya, I think it's uh, Arteta's pick. Um, he's brought the man in. I agree with Watto. He's disrupted a situation that was quite smooth. It's a bit like United, but United did get rid of De Gea at least. Um, I think it's a bit of a, bit of a mess and um, I think he's got to stick with Raya because otherwise it's just compounding his mistake. Um, I, think, I feel sorry for Ramsdale, but I think you've got to stick with Raya. But there is a big movement to, to change it back. But big shout out to Saka though. Uh, last 10 games in the Premier League, nine contributions whether it's goals or assists um this guy is just so consistent and you know certainly would not be somebody i'd put in the overrated category so uh, big big shout out to Saka and a, and a big result for arsenal i'll tell you what who else got a massive result at the weekend they started the season off you know a little bit below par but they've destroyed crystal palace at the weekend it's not their first destruction of premier league opposition newcastle will 
Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about Eddie Howe and the job he's done there, and it was highlighted on Match of the Day, that right-hand side, but the way Murphy played a goal and two assists is sort of one of them players that I'd forgot. Not that he was there, he's sort of... You, you, Dan Burns, the long staff to get the headlines, but Murphy was absolutely fantastic, and they just absolutely blew Crystal Palace away. I think you expect a Roy Hodgson team, or you, that, what, you know a lot more than me, to be a bit more resolute, but the way that they were playing, just, yeah, absolutely fantastic, and... Yeah, I mean, that's another team we've got to throw in the mix when you mentioned Manchester United for top four or even top six. And then you've got Newcastle, Spurs, Brighton, Aston Villa before you get to the top three. I mean, it's not looking good for you, Mark, but that's another point. But yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and I'd say on Murphy, without doubt, the best Murphy to ever play in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, uh, w- Watto, this, this surprised me, this stat, actually. Newcastle's best ever start to a Premier League season. I mean, that's incredible when you think about, you know, the old headphone Keegan. And yeah. that's in- that is amazing because that I wouldn't, I feel like Newcastle have slipped a little bit in, in certain games. Obviously, the Liverpool game, yeah. they lost to Man City, but... They're right back up there again. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Look, we, we all talk about how well Eddie Howe's done. And yes, they've got a lot of money from the Saudis, but recruitment's been good again for sure. Um, the stat that I like is that the Newcastle had eight English players starting and two come off the bench. Yeah. So that's what we want in terms of the national team going to be something moving forward. We want more English uh, players playing for sure. But but Newcastle are, are the real deal. Look, they, they would have thought that's a, a tough game. Obviously, Roy sets Palace up uh, to be pretty strong defensively. But that, that diagonal ball in behind, it kills any any team when you've got legs and runners. And, um, you know, Murphy gets it's a great finish. But when you can stretch teams, and watching the highlights of the game, Trippier underlapping, overlapping Murphy, I mean, it, it were relentless pressure. Mm. And he's looking like some player Trippier, to be fair. And I think that's what, you know, is underrated for him then to, you know, put him at left back then when he plays for the national team, you know what I mean? Because mm. we're so strong on the right side. But he just looks so natural playing for Newcastle as a right fullback, and how he plays is unbelievable. Um, I, I really enjoy watching him. Look, going uh, up to Newcastle whenever I've been there with opposition, it's a real tough game. They're they're real passionate fans, and when they can get behind a team that's really delivering for them now, I think they'll be uh, they'll be they'll be tough to beat up at Newcastle. But the next five games at St James's Park, there: Dortmund, Arsenal, Chelsea, United, AC Milan. If you're a Newcastle fan, you're looking forward to them games. And I'm not so sure them Probably five not... teams are, are, are looking forward to getting up there. I, I, I'm, all right, then. Dortmund, Arsenal, Chelsea, United, AC Milan. How many, how many are they going to win that? I think it's probably win three or four of them. I think the Arsenal's probably the toughest test yeah, out of them. I, I can see them winning all the other ones, definitely. Yeah, yeah I think they'll be disappointed if they won three of them games. Yeah. Just that PSG they're game, just, isn't They're it? just so good. Like yeah. you say, at St James's Park, they're just yeah. so good. I, I mean, United went there last year. You, you watch them at the weekends. They're just... The crowd are in tune with the team and the energy. They just never stop running and they no. just swallow you up, don't they? I think that's the that's what I really like about Eddie Howe's team, the, the intensity and the energy. And obviously they take some of that from the crowd because they're so passionate up there. But the, the, the outrunning teams, if you can outrun a team and you've got better players as well, I mean, you're going to destroy teams. And that's that's what the best teams have always had. If your best player is breaking all the stats records in your team for physicality and he's your best player, then all of a sudden the levels just come higher and higher and you, you're going to be destroying teams for sure. Well, look what they did to PSG. Yeah, exactly. Uh, other games from the weekend. I'm just trying to think who we've not spoken Man's about. Man City, not even mentioned. I mean, look, this that is... That was a hipster's derby. That was a hipster's derby. But you know what? I didn't watch it. I was like, I'm not watching this because I think Man City will beat Brighton. I like Brighton, but I think... As we saw at Villa, they're a little bit open at the back. They make mistakes. And it was 2-0 very, very quickly, Watto. I'm looking at Will. But it was it was 2-0 very quickly, Watto. And I thought that's going to end up being 4 or 5. And yeah. actually, I flicked it back on. And I was like, oh, 2-1 with, into stoppage time. And I thought, oh, can Brighton get a result that would be really good for the Prem? But I'll be honest, I didn't keep an eye on it enough to, to be able to observe how it went, whether Man City took the foot off the pedal, whether um, Brighton were any good. Not really. When when you watch the game, look, I think Rodri coming back into that City team just gels them together. Mm. I think you, you, we're always going to look back at the end of the season to see if City have won it or not. But if they don't win it, the block of three games when he's been out 
is going to be something they're going to look at. They look a real deal when he's in the team. Look, 2-0 up, they were very comfortable. Brighton are playing expansive football. They're pressing relatively high. Nick the ball, have a couple of transitions and, and they get the goals. But Brighton kept doing what Brighton do. And they've got very, very good footballers. He's a very good manager. He never lost belief in what he was trying to do. And it's like any game. When you nick one, then the last few moments of the game or the last 15, 20 minutes is going to be tough. And Burnley had some half chances for sure. And obviously... At least the referee did the right call with uh, Akanji. Second yellow card. But it was so late in the action, there were only a couple of minutes left at that point. So Brighton didn't really... He probably just wanted to get in the shower. Yeah, he just wanted to... But he didn't really want to miss the Manchester derby next week. So yeah. whether... You he know, hasn't thought you, it through, has he? And he's not thought it through. Whether United can get something with him missing, I'm not quite so sure. But look, it's for, for the league... It puts Man City back where they'd expect to be, even though they'd had a couple of wobbles. Stats would always tell you that they're not going to lose three games on the bounce. So whoever they were playing in that game, um, we're, we're going to find it tough. But I think the big one for me is that that Phillips like, has, has said he wants to potentially leave now. So um, that's the only way I see him getting anywhere near that England team. So he's not going to get much of a look in at City, I don't feel. So yeah. there's, a, there's a decision for Guardiola to make. He doesn't like it when things get disrupted. So for Phillips to say it and cause maybe a little bit of disruption from behind the scenes, it'd be interesting to see what Guardiola does with that. Well, he'd be another one for the Maguire stat, wouldn't he? Because I'm pretty sure the games that Phillips has started for Man City, they've probably got a 100% win ratio because they win anyway, don't they? But um, one more game for you, Will. It's the best. Go on. Brentford Burnley. Oh, I tell you what, I, I Wizzer, he, yeah. he delivered. Looking forward to this one, I tell you, it was absolutely humbling. I had all the lads around for this. Uh, we had a great old time, I had a barbecue. Um, yeah, it was absolutely fun. No, I just saw a match a day. I, I think the main thing for Burnley is they are conceding so many goals. They and they're, yeah, and they're not scoring. They're so expansive at the back that you know Brentford haven't. I think it's their first home when you said what first home win, of yeah. the season. So you think it maybe they could get a point on the road. They didn't. They conceded three. They're shipping goals, and I really worry for Burnley. I think I think Luton are in a, a much better position than Burnley going forward because they've got a clear identity and have adjusted to the Premier League where Burnley just seemed to be like this is what we're doing let's crack on and uh, they're conceding so many goals yeah uh, one more game which we're not aware of the result of yet because we're doing this on Monday uh, Monday night football uh, Spurs against Fulham massive opportunity hmm. Watto for Spurs well, um, you expect them to win this or Fulham or always not, well organised I think uh, Silver does a good job with Fulham but I've I really love watching Spurs this year. It, it's been like a breath of fresh air. I've kind of always had a soft spot for them and that's maybe because they've been soft and maybe I'm a little bit soft in, in thinking they're kind of my London what, team. What, thing you're not as soft? Uh, maybe, maybe. They're inoffensive. You can't offend anyone. No, I always liked them. I, it would have played, I liked going to the old White Hart Lane and obviously the new stadium. There's been a lot of things that I've loved about Spurs over the years. They've always had some great footballers mm. and played what I call proper football. Um, but this year with Ange getting the job and he's transformed the team. Obviously, Madison's playing at the top of his game. I would expect Spurs to win the game, but it'll be a tough game because Fulham, Fulham are a decent team. But like seeing Spurs playing well and, and the football, that's what they've been waiting for for the last five, six years, to be honest with you. They've been very patient. Uh, top Back top of the league tonight if they beat Fulham, Will? Yeah, I think 3-0 Spurs. I think it'll be a quite dominant performance, actually. There we go. Uh, I will complete the hat-trick and say Spurs will beat Fulham, but I don't think Fulham are a bad side, but you will lose. Um, let's see who's going to lose on the quiz. Uh, we're ready to go. It's the football filling quiz. I'm still top of the league. Um, you're, a, you're a bit of a... Let's just get on with it. Here we are then, the football fill-in quiz. I'm currently at the top with three. Ben's got two. He's not adding to that. And Watto's got one. Will... You do come on occasionally, so you can open the score today. Thank you. And, and add yourself to the list. And of course, our uh, uh, our man with the questions, Jamie. Hello. You guys ready for today? <laughs> yes. Brilliant, that Jamie. Yeah, Jamie yeah. Come on, the no, quiz Jamie. master's got to have a bit about him, Jay. Come on. He's worried about the quiz, apparently. You've got to be better. Oh, you're too hard. Make sure the ears are see. ready, Jay. Make it's sure when... the ears are ready. That's the only well, Look question. at this sitting back. Yeah. I know sitting in that chair. What do you mean? Oh, what, uh... So you cheated then, have you? <laughs> I sit forward like this. Question one. Who is the only goalkeeper to win a Premier League Player of the Season award? David De Gea? No. That's me then. That's, that's the whole thing fucked. Peter, Peter <laughs> check. No. Say the question again for me, Jay. So Who is the only it. goalkeeper to win the Premier League Player of the Season award? 
I'm really happy with my answer. Oh, I was really happy with mine. You know, you've got to go with Michael. Peter Smichael was the correct oh, answer. Yeah, what, so you what year was that then? 1995-96 season. Well done, Peter Smichael. I did think that, but then I thought I don't remember him winning it. No, I didn't remember him winning it. Mm. But when you guys had gone, I'd got really nowhere else to go with it. Yeah. Yeah, the interesting yeah. thing and is, United won nothing that year. Yep. Well, that's why he won it. There must have been dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> Question two. Thierry Omri is Arsenal's all-time goal scorer, but who is in second? Ian Wright. Ian Wright. Oh. Yeah. Ian Wright, what's I? What's this? Those two is this nostalgia yeah. quiz, is it? Come on, what? I know, I know Jay, don't get too he's, emotional. He's There's a long way to go yet. He'll do a Chelsea. Stanley Matthews. <laughs> well, that's right. Ian Wright's got 128 goals for. It's a good question. I, I, I was thinking Ian Wright. Oh, question three. Can you name one of the three Swiss players to have won a Premier League medal? It's a great question. I know, I know his name. I can't think of it. Shakiri. Shakiri is the correct answer. Is that lad at Arsenal centre back? Uh, no, it hasn't been at Arsenal. All oh, right. No, it is. That's not an acceptable answer either. Gokan Inla from Leicester. Inla, yeah. Uh, Shakiri from Shakiri Liverpool and Akanji from oh, City. Yeah. Oh my god. Let's go. What is it? Two one nil. Yeah. Two one. Nil. Well done, Will. You're on the board, mate. Thank you. Let's go. Come my on, problem is. Vulnerable in the middle. I'm not used to this position. It's like putting a CDM up front. I think that's where Fozzie's struggling then. Yeah. No, he's way too. Pressure. He loves being in the middle. <laughs> he thrives on it. Oh, that's right. Question four. Who has the most yellow cards in Premier League history? Gareth Barry. Gareth Barry is the correct answer. Oh, I'm a rolling in my book. I wouldn't have known that one. He has 123 yellow cards to his name. That's your classic quiz, that is. Yeah, you, get your you knew your that one early, mate. Yeah, you, yeah, you get your Barry your Milner's, your classic answers. Right. Good one. Thanks for that. Two, right. two, <laughs> nil. Good, Jay. Question five. Which two teams play in the Barcelona derby? Athletic. The guitar play. Athletic Bilbao Barcelona? No. And no. Catarfe. Catarfe. is not an answer. I know the Barcelona team. I just got it wrong. Barcelona Espanol. Correct. Oh, well played. Well, I ah, see what just, just a bit of time to think about yeah, it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Gracias. What did you say? Barcelona <laughs> Athletic. El Bilbao. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Bilbao playing Bilbao. Yeah, I thought that <laughs> <laughs> I might, I, Yeah. And I have been to Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. You've not been to Espanol, though, have you? No, no. The <laughs> Barcelona derby is played between Barcelona and Bilbao. Well, you said Getafe, so... Yeah, but Getafe, I don't think that's a you place said in one Spain. Club, mate. If, if Getafe is a place in Spain, fine. No, if you said I think Getafe is in Madrid. I, I don't know, I'm sorry. Is it? We should really ask Tom. Tom's well, you don't even know where it is, that. so you can... But it's not a place. It's not in Barcelona anyway. Let's Barcelona. move on, Jay, let's move on. Three. It's like, it's like Everton. Nil. Two. <laughs> yeah. It's a city. Getafe is a city. Oh. Getafe is a city. Yeah, a lot of piping up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of piping from someone who's got a zero. Yeah. <laughs> Question six. What is the name of Swansea's city stadium? Liberty. No, stadium. it is not called the Liberty Stadium. Wow. We're not going to get it, though, because that's what I thought. It's got like a new thought. sponsor name, then, has it? There is a new sponsor. <sighs> it's not Bet 888. No. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Macron Arena. No, it is the Swansea.com stadium. Ah, oh, come on, The name Jay. of the cha stadium changed in 2021, formerly known as the Liberty We stadium. had one of these before. You can swivel on that, Swansea. <laughs> yeah. That's a shit. I would have given you it. I would have given it me as well. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. No, we won't be giving him anything. I'm out. Question oh. seven. Which former player was known as the Romford Pele? Ray Parler! Oh. He got Ray. Uh, yeah, I think it was Will, unfortunately. Yeah. You said mm, Parla. Ray Parla. I went mm, Parla. <laughs> Do you know why he got given that nickname? Um, I don't know. Because he's from Romford. And he, he, he was in training one day and scored a screamer and Overmars came over to him and called him the Romford Pele. Wow. And that was the reason why. And it stuck within oh, the whole you spot. Go, and you were there that day, weren't I you, was there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to compliment <laughs> Overmars these days? Wow. I don't think I was even alive for that. No, yeah. Oh. Questions you weren't. Oh, so. <laughs> Question. Was that three all? Three. Three. Now. Three, three, I'm still fighting for this quiz. You can still, you can still come back. And what? Oh, got three two questions, questions left. How many Premier League teams have Rafa Benitez managed? Four. Correct. Oh. Oh. Correct. Oh, you got to go off the instinct. Smashed it. Yeah, there you go. 
Newcastle, Liverpool, yeah. Chelsea, and Everton. That's why I said Paul. Spot, <laughs> spot on, mate. Spot on, mate. Uh, it three, one, three. So you could draw it. Question yeah. nine. Who was the first Asian player to win Player of the Month award? Are you sung? No. Chowdhury. Ah! No. Oh, I know who it is. <laughs> so easy. Come on, Motto. Five. Four. I'll give him a hint because it's three. Two. One. I don't one. know. Son. Son, young men. Oh, yes. shit. I thought that's what you said. Who no, he said Park, he, he said Park. Yeah, no, I, I think that was a bit like cheaty. No, I thought that's what he said. What do you mean? To what, answering the question? Because it, he might, because I was no, in I the way what, and he might have just heard the last bit. I thought that's what he said. I thought that's what he said. No, I thought that's what he said. Sorry, anyway. He won, uh, he won the award in 2016. Anyway. I'm out. Three, one, three. Is this question 10? Yeah, This is the quiz. This is the quiz. This is the real quiz. Question 10. Final question. Levels have gone up, haven't they? The decider. <laughs> Unless I get it right and whack it. Well, I don't yeah, know. You can, you I, can I, I might just well, you can't. It depends, mate. We've got, we've got a tiebreaker just in case. So. Okay, he's good for tiebreakers. Which former FIFA World Player of the Year became president of his home country in 2018? No. In what year, sorry, Jay? 2018. President of his own country in 2018. Which former FIFA World Player of the Year became the president of his home country in 2018? Suka. No. Oh, I was thought I'd got that, you know. Suka. I don't know. In 2018, so she's got me beside. Samuel Etta? No. Is it Nedved? No. No, I don't know. I thought I'd got it. George Weah. Oh. Oh, he was, right. he was bloody president, wasn't president he? Right, I'm sitting Liberia. back. I'm sitting back for the president to what? Liberia. Liberia. Yeah. Where? Good question. That. <laughs> <laughs> Dove in early, didn't I? But yeah. I thought I might have got. If it, you, you know. get it, and you got. You got to go in. Who did you say? I said Platini. President of France. Yeah. Remember that. Question eleven, Mark. You can't answer this question. I know. Because I have a feeling. I'm not, nothing changes. <laughs> This week. Do you think one of us two are going to get it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's all right. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to get it. Good luck. All the best, mate. Oh, <laughs> Intimidation. Tiebreaker. What club did Ashley Young join after leaving Manchester United in 2020? Everton. Nope. No. No, that's shite. What, say the question again, please, Jay. What club did Ashley Young join oh, after leaving oh, Manchester no. United in 2020? Into Milan? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Let's go! Hey! Wait, get me on the board now! Stick that in your PowerPoint! <laughs> oh my god. Well done, Will. Well Diving done. in too early! Yeah, you gotta go Sorry, with your what time. Sorry. Great quiz, Jay. One of the best we've had. It's always good when it goes to extra time tiebreaker. Well done, Jamie. Well done with your quiz. Well, well done, done to Will. Well done, Will. Well done to Watto. Well done to Will. Great day out. Thanks so much for watching. <laughs> Ben's back next week. Football filling. You've been a pleasure.